Hi, my name's Jason. I'm the senior pastor at Chilton Church. We hope all our messages will help you connect more fully with God's love, grow as his follower, and share his hope with those around you. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm going to share um, just a little bit what is hopefully going to round off um, what has been our time together looking at this moment that Isaiah has encountering God. Um, And I trust that as we do, um, that it's going to allow us to leave here in the right heart space. Um, with the Lord, um, which which um, yeah, which is what we've been really praying for, and in, in some ways, um, this whole session really makes sense only when we've met with God, uh, and or at least uh, the degree to which we can respond to this message perhaps depends on the degree to which we have encountered and experienced the glory of God um, as Isaiah did. And so if you're not quite there yet, maybe you can allow this to be a sign for you of how much you still have the opportunity to dig and to seek and to search after God, that you might know God like Isaiah knew him, that you would be able to respond to God as Isaiah had. And uh, because the, the lifestyle that God is calling us to, the relationship with God that God desires for us, that, that's not something that the church's vision or, or mission statement can uh, equip us with. It, it's not something that the events that we organize can work into us. It, it's not even something that the ministry that we do is going to be able to release us in. All of those things are absolutely necessary and important and significant and we want to do them and do them well and we want to be listening to the Lord and make sure our vision of where we're going is right and we, we're teaching out of the scriptures and we're praying and we're gathering people together and all those things that sort of came out of that brainstorm time the other day, those are all significant. But they're not the engine of what enables the life and lifestyle that God wants us to live. The engine of that is your time alone with God when it's you and him meeting together and experiencing him. You know, when Jesus says you need to get alone in your in, and sort of close the door on your closet, that don't go home and feel like you have to pray in your cupboard. Okay, that's not what, but what he's meaning is get, a, get away with God that you become dependent and hungry for him because he is the source of life. He challenges the the Pharisees and and the scribes of the day. He says, you search the scriptures like you think in them, their life, they point to me. And so hopefully all of what we do as a church, it's all pointing to him, that we could go to him in a way that makes more sense. And we come away richer and fuller, having encountered his goodness and his glory. Um, So that the missional lifestyle flows out of having encountered the God whose heart is for you and for me and for the community and for the peoples of the world. And we get it as we get him because it's his heart that's getting into, is getting into us. Okay, so um, Isaiah um, chapter six, if you've, if you've got it there, we're going to focus on the response. So we've looked at how in the, in the year that King Uzziah dies, Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up. 
and, and in a way that no one else in his nation seems to be seeing God at that time. The train of his robe fills the temple and there's the seraphim and they crying out, holy, holy, holy as the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory and, and, the, and the, the thresholds of the temple are shaken and the whole place is filled with smoke. And, and he says, woe to me. I'm a man of unclean lips of a people of unclean lips. And I'm standing in the presence of, of a holy God. I am ruined. I'm undone. And the seraphim come and, and touch his lips with this living coal. And God speaks and says, and his sin is taken away and atoned for and forgiven. This incredible moment of encounter as confession follows revelation of God's glory. And then it says this in... in um, in, in verse 8, hopefully, no, Chris, could you tap for me, perhaps? Is it? There we go. Thank you. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Here am I. Send me. And so we, we've looked at how Isaiah has been transformed through this encounter time with God. What really strikes me about this last moment that we're looking at is, is this conversation that now happens. Is as soon as Isaiah is now able to hear the Lord, before that's not been possible, he's been hearing the seraphim and he's been seeing God, but now he's been healed and forgiven. There is this reconnection with God and he now hears the inner counsel of God himself as God is now speaking. And, and, and God is saying, we need to send someone who is going to be able to go. And as soon as he hears it, he just responds, here I am. I'm right here, God. You can send me. I, I am ready to go. I am willing to go. He doesn't even know what the task is yet. He doesn't know what God is going to send him to do. He doesn't know how much it's going to require of him. This isn't a pros and cons moment. You know when you're sitting down and you're thinking, do I, should I do this? Shouldn't I do this? And you have the little table. What are the pros? You know, I'm going to get this out of it. There's going to be this opportunity. I'm going to be able to grow like this. What are the cons? I'm going to have to give this up and, and that. And it's going to cost this much money. And, I might, you know, and you kind of weigh out the pros against the cons. That's not in Isaiah's thinking and heart at all in that moment. This is a, I am in the presence of the greatest, most beautiful and awesome and holy being in all creation. He is the one that has made everything and made me. And if he's looking for someone to do something, I am 100% in. And then he can tell me what to do. If you want to go to the next slide there, Chris. You know, I think this is often the question we ask, question I ask. Do I have to? Do I have to do that? Do I really have to do that? Is that really expected of me? Can I get by with not doing that? Like, is it okay for me to be a Christian that isn't just a full Christian? You know, I, I want to be in, but I don't have to have all the optional extras, do I? You know, it's like you get a cell phone account and then there's all the upgrades options you can bolt on, all the sort of bolt-on options, or you get Sky TV and then you get it with HD or you get Netflix and then you get it with 4K. You're like, well, so long as I've got the subscription, I'm sort of okay. You know, so long as I'm in, I'm okay. Do I have to really do everything? 
so different to the way that Isaiah responds to God. You know, I think I, I've often wrestled with these. Do, do I have to share my faith with my family? That's awkward with my colleagues at work. Um, I remember a time when I was working in this architecture firm in London, I mean, in Cape Town. It was the central city that I was living in, Cape Town. Uh, and I was working there, and the senior partner was, was about to have heart surgery. It's in a, in, a, in a difficult place. And I was just a nobody in this company, you know, and, and I feel like the Lord gives me this word for him that I need to share with him and play him a song. I'm thinking, wow, you know, God, he's the senior partner in the architecture firm. I'm just going to knock on his door. Hi, look, I know you're going for open heart surgery. Can I tell you about the Lord and play you a song of my, you know, I, I think it's going to minister to you. And I remember thinking, is there not another way I can do that? Can I just pray for him as he's, you know, does he need to hear it from me? And, and I just sense the Lord say, Jason, that like, you've got the word now. He's not going to get it from anyone else. And I went and knocked on his door and I said, I, I know that you in for this operation. I've been praying for you. Would it be okay if I, if I shared this with you and, and played you this song? <laughs> and he said, yes, you can come in, sit down. And I sat down with him and I shared with him and I played him this song and he just started to cry. And it was so powerful when we respond to what God is calling us to do. And it takes us right out of our comfort zone and really transformed the relationship that I, I had with this, this guy. Um, do I have to tell people about God? Do I have to shape my life around his purpose and his calling and his priorities do I, do I have to sense responsibility for other people's lives? Do I have to sense responsibility for people who live in other countries, in other nations? Do we have any responsibility for them? I think these are the kinds of questions that we ask when we're not seeing the gravity and glory of the holiness of God. At least that's what I found. Those are the questions that I ask when I've lost sight of who Isaiah was seeing. But the more I see him for who he is, the less relevant those questions become. Isaiah was seeing God in such a profound and powerful way. He was so aware of how gracious God had been to him that he deserved to be destroyed for his unclean lips, but he was forgiven. And so Isaiah surrenders his heart to God. And it's a moment that's more about devotion than obligation and it's more about honoring God than it is about duty. And it's more about worship than it is about sacrifice, although all of those things are involved. But the weighting of what's driving what he's doing is devotion and worship and honor. And I think what's so challenging for us is when Isaiah is called to take this message to Israel, he doesn't know what it's going to be like. What's going to happen, what's actually going to happen is God is going to say to him, Isaiah, I want you to go and share this message and no one is going to respond. No one is going to hear. No one is going to thank you for it. But I'm calling you to do it. And in fact, it was going to form part of the way that God was going to have to judge his people 
for disconnecting with him. And Isaiah was going to be the person to do it. You know, sometimes in our hearts, if we're honest, if I'm honest, you know, it's, is it going to be worthwhile for me, beneficial for me? It, it, you know, I'll do it if it's going to work. You know, I'm very happy to go and, and share this message with my senior partner if, if they're actually going to come to the Lord. But if they're going to ridicule me for it, then, you know, I don't want any part of that. Thank you very much, Lord. You know, if it succeeds, and I'm not going to look foolish, I'm all in. But you see how different that is? Then it's about me. And it's not actually about the glory of the Lord. Isaiah's not even thinking about those things. He's volunteering, not for the pay, not because he's going to love the work, but because he loves his God. And his king is worth it. You know, you sort of see those films, don't you? They're so moving, where, where, um, where you've got the leader, the sort of captain, and, and they, they come to someone and say, I need you to do something for me. And the response is, anything. I'll do anything for you. And they say, I haven't even told you what it is yet. And it's like, yeah, but I trust you. And if you need it done, then I'm going to get it done. Just tell me what it is. And I'm in. And that's sort of the response that we see here. I, I was reading um, John Skinner's commentary on the book of the prophet Isaiah. If you want to perhaps just jump to the next slide there, Chris. Thank you. Uh, he says this about this verse. The spontaneity and self-abandonment of this response are characteristic of Isaiah. He is as yet ignorant of the nature of his commission, yet he freely accepts it. And throughout life, he never felt his message to be a grievous burden. Interestingly, as Jeremiah often did. Not all the characters in the Bible get it all right. Isn't that in some ways encouraging? We're all learning. But it's nice to know who to emulate and who to copy and who to pattern ourselves after. What's your heart response to God's call in your life? Will your heart be yes to God before you even know what he's saying? You're in his presence and the answer's yes. What, what, what are you saying to me, Lord? By the way, my answer's yes. <laughs> I think there's something about that posture that enables us to hear properly what God is actually commanding us to do. 1 Peter 3, if we go to the next slide there. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do it with gentleness. I think that's what it says in Ephesians. Have your feet you know, shod with the readiness of the gospel. It's that undercurrent, that high water table of missional activity where you're just saying, yes, God, I'm ready. I'm ready. Where's the opportunity that I can leak your glory to others? Matthew 28, if we go to the next one, which we probably all know so well. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And we, how do we know we're meant to do everything the disciples were told to do by Jesus? It was partly because of this verse. Because it's a bit like this. It's like if I say to you, I'd like you to pass this message on to the person behind you. And then you turn to the person behind and do you want to 
just do it as the illustration. So just say, tell the person behind you to tell the person behind them to pass this on. You know, and you sort of... Oh, that was really well done. And we go from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation. What Jesus taught the disciples was what the disciples taught the early church, which is what the early church passed on and passed on. But, you know, there's potential for that to get corrupted along the way. You know, we've all done that. So we have the Bible as a reference point to come back so we know what Jesus said and what he passed on to us. This is, all, this is for us. This is our mandate, and it's our mandate until he comes again. For I am with you always till when? The very end of the age. When it's the end and he comes back, the mission ends. Until then, it's go time for the church. We are on. The mission is engage. Engage. That was a Star Trek reference that maybe everybody missed. Okay, that's why I don't make on-the-fly jokes. <laughs> it's a bomb. Okay, um, Acts 1 verse 8, we go to the next one. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. You could do that differently. In my home, with my family, at my school, my university, my workplace, my community, my sports club, my running club, the city, the nation. Do you see it's concentric circles going outward? That the, the mission is the world, the ends of the earth. That's where we got to get. And it starts here. And not everyone is going to be doing it far away. But everyone's meant to be doing it somewhere. We're all sent. We're not all sent everywhere, but we're all sent. Whether it's home or whether it's far. Whether it's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Sutton, <laughs> Tadworth, <laughs> Eastbourne, Europe, South Asia Concern. America, yeah. to be a Christian at its very essence is to carry the heartbeat of God where we go. And his heart is for the nations. I, I've taught on this in, in, another, in another context. If you want to go to the next one there, um, Ephesians 4. It, it, it says this in Ephesians 4, that God gave to the church gifts, people. Okay, there are different kinds of gifts. There are the gifts of the Spirit, and then there are people who are gifts. I hope you know you're all gifts to one another. Okay? There are gifts, and then there are offices of gifts. So, so these, these are references to office gifts in the church that have a particular function. So it says, Christ himself gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Why? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to what? The whole measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So why do we have these people in the church? Why do we have apostles? Why do we have prophets? Why do we have evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip the church to evangelize? to be on mission, to be prophetic, to be able to understand and teach the word, to be able to care for one another. They're not the ones doing it, though they do do it, but they do it in a way that equips the body 
to look and live and love like Jesus. That's the purpose. So we go to the next slide there, and I, I have shown this before in the church, but just as a reminder, Jesus is our great apostle. It says in Hebrews, he's the prophet, he's the great evangelist, the one who brings the good news of the kingdom. He's the pastor, he's, he's the shepherd of, of our souls, he's the teacher, he's all of that and he's looking to impart all of that into us so that as we are growing, what maturity looks like is us becoming more apostolic. That means to have a love for the beyond, that people beyond us would know about God, to become more prophetic, that we would become more able to sense and know when God communicates with us. You know, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, not all are prophets. You know that scripture? And then two chapters later, he says, I want everyone to eagerly desire to prophesy. And you think, hang on. He just said we weren't all prophets, and we're not. We're not all prophets who are equipping the church to prophesy. But we are all filled with the Spirit to prophesy. Does, does that make sense? We're not all apostles, but we are all sent. We're not all pastors, but we are all called to love and care and help one another. We're not all evangelists, but we are all called to share our faith. And it's the role of this group of people and those who carry that grace to equip the church to be able to do the works of service that we can look and live like Jesus. That's the mandate from generation to generation to generation so that we might continue his ministry and his work. And so we need to stretch out. Maturity is five-sided. It's probably more-sided than that. It's like the colors. God's more than three things. Okay? Well, he's a trinity. Okay? He's more than three attributes and characteristics okay and there's but there's a sense in that maturity is five-sided and God wants us to be five-sided that means being missional and evangelistic as a part of who we are because it's a part of who he is and the question is will we say yes will we say yes in our hearts have you seen him enough to say here I am you can send me. I'll go. I don't need to know where because I trust you. And if you're the one sending me and you're the one commissioning me, I know you know better than me. Higher are his ways above my ways. So much higher as the stars are than the earth. Amen? And so I'd like to just invite you to maybe close your eyes for a moment and quieten your heart. And I want you to see if you can imagine the sense of being in the presence of God. By imagine, I mean allow God to use the creativity of your mind and your heart to help you to engage with the spiritual reality that God is near you now. Right now, God is near you. And you know when you're ready to do this. 
But I want to challenge you. That God that stands before you, can you say yes to him in your heart? To his plans for you? You don't need to know what they are yet. But can you say yes to him? Yes, Lord. Here I am. Send me. Yes, Lord. Here I am. Send me. I trust you. Do you see it's all about trust? It's not trusting Jason the pastor. It's not trusting the leadership team. It's not trusting the people next to you. That's important and helpful and blessed. But first of all, it's I trust my king. I trust the Lord who's high and lifted up. The train of his robe fills this temple. That's you. And we say yes to you, Lord. We just say yes. I say yes. On behalf of the church, Lord, I, we say yes. We say yes to you. Here we are. Send us. May we be about your business in your way for your glory. Fill us up and send us out. Fill us up and send us out. May we have the boldness and strength and hunger and protection and spiritual weaponry that we need. Thank you, Lord, to know the joy of walking in your footsteps as you lead us from one degree of glory to the next, beholding your face, unveiled, beholding your face. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. You are worthy king. Amen. Amen. Um, someone shared a word with me earlier that they, they felt that God was saying over this church that we are quick learners. That we are quick learners. I love that. And I see it in us. That we are. We're quick learners. And God is going to be teaching us. And we're going to be learning. And we can learn fast. You've been made for this. You were created for this. It's not learning something that you weren't made for. That would be really tough. This is who God has made you to be. What he calls you to do is in line with who he's made you to be. And you are a fast learner in the spirit. And you were made to follow him and made to stretch out your spiritual arms and legs to be strong. What does David says? He says, look, you have strengthened me that I might bend a bow of bronze. God is going to equip us. Well, that's, our, that's our thing. Loved, equipped, involved, because you are. Because you are. You are loved and you've been equipped. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms and God is involved in your life so you can be involved in others. Yeah? Okay. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the church and how to connect with us in person or online, wherever you are, please visit our website at www.chiltonchurch.org.uk.